Good morning, church. It's good to see you uh, and to be with you this morning as we continue through the Gospel of Luke. And as we continue uh, through the, the uh, and leading into this, the passion narrative, the, the last days uh, of, of Jesus before his crucifixion. Uh, there's a modern trend and uh, there's a stream of people online, I think you see this all over the place, uh, who, are, who all push a similar message. Uh, these are guys like Jordan Peterson, Jocko Willink, Cam Haynes, David Goggins, Ryan Holiday, you can name several more. Um, And all of them, I I think, have a very appealing message to a lot of people uh, that includes hard work, responsibility, perseverance, discipline, grit. Um, And they're very popular. I I think something, it's because the message rings true to a lot of people, right? It rings true. And and I think that's because uh, everyone wants to be a strong person, right? Everyone wants to be someone that others can rely on. Um, There's much discussion in in kind of Christian circles about how some of these messages seem to rhyme with the Bible. How do they go along with Scripture? And and they certainly do in many ways. The Bible teaches hard work and responsibility, laying your life down for others, perseverance. Uh, But the more I've thought about it, I I do think that this message, this cultural message, is not compatible at the deepest level with Christianity. Christianity. I think at its core, it's in fact in opposition to Christ's message. And this is because, as I see it, the core of this message is self-reliance. Right? It's self-reliance. It's there, there's a strength deep down within you. And if you can only access it, if, if you have the right tools, the right work ethic, the right habits, the right goals, the right discipline, the right workout plan, the right mindset, and then you will be able to unlock this latent strength within and to overcome Self-reliance. But I think the core of the Bible's teaching about who we are and who God is is in direct opposition to the core of of that message. The Bible's perspective uh, is encapsulated in a song that I sing to my three-year-old almost every night, putting him to bed. I sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. They are weak, but he is strong. We're here now in in these last last days, these last hours of Jesus' life, uh, his his ministry. And this is his, his farewell discourse. This is his last time with his disciples. We saw last week, it was the last supper where he said, my blood's gonna be spilled. This is the blood of the new covenant. It's for you. This is, this is my body. It's gonna be broken for you. I'm gonna lay down my life for you. Right? He's, he's giving himself away for them. And you would really hope that uh, the disciples at this point, right, they've been with Jesus for so long, they've seen his life, they've seen his ministry, you would think, man, they're, you know, they're, they're probably, at this point, you'd want them to be mature, you'd want them to be uh, you know, humble, you'd want them to be just listening and sitting, soaking in the wisdom of Jesus, understanding what he's saying and, and internalizing it and letting it form them. This, these are the leaders. These are the, this is going to be the foundation of the church throughout all generations. But what, would you, what you find, and what we find today, is that that's not the case. Right? What you find is that they are weak. 
but he is strong. And we'll see that over and over today as we walk through this passage. Let's take a moment and pray uh, and we will we'll jump in. Take a moment where you are uh, just to be with the Lord yourself. Would you ask God to speak to you today? Would you also pray for your neighbor, someone on your row, someone you know, someone you don't know. God, God knows their name. I pray for them that God would speak to them. Lastly, would you pray for me? Would you pray that I would be faithful to God's word and that I would be helpful to you? Father, you know that we need you. We need you every day. We need you every hour. We need you every moment. We can do nothing good without you. We cannot bear fruit unless we abide in you. All of our best deeds are filthy rags. Lord, we're so distracted. So we need you to speak. Would you please speak through your word today? Um, Would you tell us what we need? Uh, what we need to hear. Would you encourage us? Holy Spirit, challenge us. Convict us, break through hearts of stone. We need you and we love you. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. They are weak, but he is strong. Um, verse 24 of, of Luke 22 says this, then a dispute also arose among them about who should be considered the greatest. But he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them. Those who have authority over them have themselves called benefactors. It's not to be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever's greatest among you should become like the youngest. Whoever leads like the one serving. For who is greater, the one at the table or the one serving? It's not the one at the table, but I am among you as the one who serves. The the disciples here uh, are uh, disappointing. You know, there's this, this sacred moment, the Last Supper. You got to think, wow, this is, this is uh, you know, this, like, is there a more important sacred moment of Jesus' ministry with his disciples is, is this moment? Uh, and, but it says, and then, you know, he, he, he has said, this is my body, this is my blood. And then he said, there's the one who's going who's gonna to betray me. He's at the table. Uh, and then they start, begin to argue among themselves, which of them could be the one who's going to do it. And so don't you see how this next dispute about greatness could have broken out? Don't you, don't, can't you see it? It's like they're, they're debating about, oh yeah, he, well, I, I don't know, maybe it's him, maybe he's gonna uh, betray the Lord. Like, not him, he's the best disciple. He's not the best disciple, Peter's the best disciple. Peter's not the best disciple, John's the best disciple, right? They, they just start arguing about who is the greatest. <clears throat> right, and, and aren't, aren't we like this sometimes? Aren't we like this sometimes? As, as, as disappointing and as sad as it is, Man, don't, isn't much of our life comparing ourselves to other people 
right? Putting, put, looking at someone going, well, I, I feel good about this conversation because I'm obviously better than them in this way. We're comparing our strengths with their weaknesses. Aren't we constantly in our minds having this debate? Who is the greatest? Who's the greatest in here? Who's the greatest in this room? Who's the greatest in this office? Who's the greatest in this, at this lunch table? I think this can be an encouragement to uh, those of us who have young kids and do family worship. Right? And then it's like two minutes in, and you're like, I just, have, I just wanna have five minutes of reading the Bible with my family. And two minutes in, and you're bleeding, and you're screaming, and everyone needs a spanking, right? It's like, this is how it goes every time. <laughs> uh, and, and so it's an encouragement to you, children, you with, 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 not to you children, you children need to listen to and obey. Uh, <laughs> but you parents, right? This is, this, is, uh, this is how, Jesus had similar struggles with much older children um, than, than even, even uh, we have. Uh, and and I, I, love, I, I love here the Jesus' heart. And you can just see it so clearly, can't you? He, he's, how does he not just blast them? You're arguing about who's the greatest at this moment? Like, this is the time when you're choosing to have this, this argument. Uh, and, and, but but he, he's patient. And he explains to them, as he's done, if you read the Gospels, this is not the first time this has come up. It's not like, oh yeah, I forgot to cover this with you guys. No, no, no. This has is, this is been a common conversation. Again, again, parents, this is encouragement for us. It's been a common conversation. He says, okay, let's go through it again. The Gentiles, yeah, they exercise their They lord their authority. That's not how you do it. It's not how we do it. Right? In the kingdom of God, you serve. You serve. You give your, look at me. Who's greater? The one at the table or the one serving? Well, the one at the table is greater. But what have I been doing this whole? I'm serving you. I'm acting like a servant. Do you see? This is how, this is how authority works. This is how uh, the, the kingdom of God works. The greatest is the one who serves. This is what the whole, the sermon was on last week, right? The, how do we Christians use power to serve others in love? And then look at 28. Uh, you are those who stood by me in my trials. I bestow on you a kingdom, just as my father bestowed one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table and in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Do you see here, Jesus not only does not blast them, and he, just, he teaches them again, patient, but then what does he do? He encourages them. All right, well, Jesus, aren't you reinforcing bad behavior at this point? I don't know. I think he knows what he's doing, right? What does he say? You're, you've done a good job, guys. You've, you've stood by me in my trials. You've been here with me. Our Judas has likely left at this point uh, based on, on the other gospel narratives. Guys, you've stood by me. And, 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 and listen, I give you the kingdom. I give you the kingdom. This reminds me of one of my favorite verses back in uh, chapter 12, Luke 12, 32. Right? Fear not, little flock, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Right? He, he sits there and he, he, he encourages them. He encourages them. Right? He says, hey, listen, <laughs> why are you arguing about greatness? You're gonna help me rule. Right? Yeah, I, I give you the kingdom. What, what else do you want, guys? And, and do you want Greatness. Do you want glory? Do you want to be seen, to be recognized, to be loved? Do you want to be famous in some way? Right? And, and I, I think we all do, right? We all have this desire in us. 
and, and I think that's because we were made for that. We were actually made for glory. But the problem is every human avenue to get it is a dead end. Money and possessions is a dead end. Career is a dead end, right? Looking for it in family is a dead end. Looking for it in relationship and reputation is a dead end, right? There's no way to get what we, what we so long for, the recognition, the fame. Like ask the celebrities who make it. What, they're all depressed, Right? You can go to social media influencing. You can go to, to drugs and alcohol. You can try every path, but it's all a dead end, right? The way to get it, the way to get the recognition, the glory, the love, the, some, the being seen that will ultimately fill your heart is to serve in the way of Jesus to give yourself away. And you know what? Jesus gives you the kingdom. Your father, the one who made you, the only one who matters, will look at you, will see you, will name you, will lift you up and will give you a kingdom. It's the glory you were made for. Jesus says, that's coming, guys. That's coming. Let's, let's just move past this conversation. <laughs> The disciples are petty. They're petty and they're proud. But Jesus loves them. He serves. He teaches. And he gives them a kingdom. They are weak. But he is strong. Look at verse 31. Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. Lord, he told him, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. I tell you, Peter, he said, the rooster will not crow today until you deny me, deny three times that you know me. Jesus says, Simon, right, Peter, Satan asked that he could have you. He asked that he could sift you like wheat. He asked to pick you apart, Peter. This reminds me of, of Job, doesn't it, you? When, when, Job, when, when Satan comes before God and has to ask God, hey, have you, have you considered Job your servant? Yeah, can I attack him? Satan has to ask permission, right? And he asks, in this case, I want the disciples, I want Peter And he says, when you've turned again, Peter, strengthen your brothers. Insinuating, you're, you're going to fall. You're not going to do well in this, in this attack. But when you come back, strengthen your brothers. And Peter says, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to go to prison with you. I'm ready to go to death. And to his credit, he's starting to understand, finally. He, he finally gets where Jesus is going. Oh, you're going to prison and death. I'm in. Right, I'll be there. No problem. Peter believes himself to be strong. But, but, but what? He's overconfident. He, he's self-reliant. I'll suffer with you, Lord, but he, he, he sings a different tune when the soldiers show up. And don't, aren't we like this? Don't we too believe that we're strong? 
Don't, don't we believe? And isn't it easy? And, and, so, and, and when things are going well in life and when you're, when you're at a camp, when you're worshiping the Lord, when you're, when you're spending sweet time in prayer and, and in the scripture, isn't it, isn't it easy to say, oh Lord, I'm all yours. Anything for you. It's, my life is yours. But then the trouble comes. The trial, the temptation, the suffering, the loss, the pain, the sickness. And we learn, don't we, that we aren't as strong as we thought. The smallest thing, can't the smallest things upend our faith? Like, I don't get a good night's sleep, and I'm like, am I even a Christian? <laughs> do, I have, do I know what patience means? Because it seems that I do not. The smallest thing can upend our faith. And it might not be comforting to hear this at first, but, but Jesus, notice, Jesus didn't say, Satan asked to have you, and I said, no, you can't have him. Satan, you can't touch him. That's not what he said. Satan asked to have you. Satan asked to dismember you, Peter. And, but I've prayed for you that your faith wouldn't fail. Jesus knows that Peter will deny him. He, he knows that that night fear will rule Peter's heart, not faith. He, he knows that Peter will deny that time three, three times that he even knows him. He knows that the rock, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. He knows the rock, <laughs> right, the one he's nicknamed Rock, is gonna crumble at the voice of a little girl, little servant girl. Jesus also knows that his prayer will be answered and that Peter's faith will not fail, ultimately. I think we can learn three really important things from this interaction. First, is Jesus knows that you aren't strong. He knows that you aren't strong. Yeah, you can fool other people, maybe. <laughs> you think you're fooling God? Like Jonah, you're gonna run from him? That's a good plan, right? No, he knows you're not strong. And isn't it easy? But isn't it easy to fall into this lie and to believe the lie? Man, I, I know why I'm a Christian. I'm pretty talented. I'm pretty good looking. I've got a lot to offer to the kingdom of God. When everyone was trying out on earth to be Christians, God looked at me and was like, ooh, I want that one. First pick for my team. Right, because I'm gifted. I'm able to, to, I'm gonna be used in the kingdom. I'm strong. And then it's easy even to believe that once you are a believer, once you, once you trust Jesus, then man, you're just gonna go from strength to strength to strength. Oh, all those old temptations, never gonna come back. All those old habits, those old slaveries, I'm never gonna run back to those things. Right, it's gonna go glory to glory to glory. It's just a straight upward trajectory right, to heaven. Those of you who've been Christians for any length of time, is that how it goes? No. No, Jesus knows you aren't strong. Listen, this is great news. I think this, I think this one idea can change your whole life. How, how many of your sins were in the future when Jesus died for you? How many? All of them, right? Jesus knew Peter would deny him this night, this very night. 
And did Jesus go, ah, I just, you know, I just don't know that I will die for Peter if he's going to do that. No, he didn't, right? He went to the cross. And in the same way, he, he knew every one of your sins, pre and post conversion. And he still chose to go. What kind of love is this? What kind of grace is this? He knows that you aren't good, you aren't strong. Second, I think we can learn that Jesus' plan is for you to go through trials and suffering like him. This is his plan for you. Again, it's not that you become a Christian and then your life is great. Right? Everything's good. You don't have to suffer. Like Jesus will not protect you from all the bad things in this life. Again, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, isn't this true? He doesn't say, Satan, you can't touch Peter. You can't ever tempt him again. This is not the promise. Right? And if you think this is the promise, if you think, oh, my life's going to be easy now, right? this, is when it, this is what happens. When something, your life crumbles and you go, why, God? Like, oh, you thought that he promised you that your life was going to be easy. You thought that you weren't going to have to suffer like everyone else. Oh, no, 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 that wasn't the promise. It's never what he says. It's never what the scripture says. The scripture actually says quite the opposite. You will suffer. You will be persecuted. And how might, this, how might this affect, how might this change how we pray for each other? Don't, aren't most of our prayers for each other, God, protect them from this bad thing happening. God, stop this bad thing from happening. Don't let this bad thing happen. And should we ask for those things? Yes. And we should certainly ask for, what, for whatever's in our heart. What God wants us to do, we're his children. He wants us to talk to him. But look at how Jesus prays here. He prays that Peter's faith would not fail. What, what, how much of our prayers are, are that? God, help her faith in this cancer not to fail. Help his faith in this, in this trial, in this unemployment. Help, help his faith not to fail. Strengthen his faith. Make his faith stronger on the, on the other end than it is now. We will suffer. You're like, Lawson, you're not selling this Christianity thing very good. Like, no, I'm not. Like, this is not, this is the anti the, the prosperity stuff, right? The, the, you don't come to God and your life goes great. It's the end. There's the hope, right? That we, 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 he will return and he will make everything right, but that does not happen here, you know? And all the problem, by the way, all the problems with all the ideologies, the problem with capitalism, the problem with communism, the problem with, with uh, liberalism, the problem with democracy, right? All the, the problem with all of these things is that they want to build a heaven here. If we just get the right people in place, if we just get the right structures or, or policies, then we will have utopia. <laughs> oh, there's no utopia here. Do you see? He will come back. He will reign. That's, that's the promise. We're always going to struggle. There's always going to be struggle. There's always going to be sin. The poor you will always have among you. Right? If anyone says he has no sin, he's a liar. The truth's not in him, right? We, this, is, we, we, this, is, this life is a trial and always will be. Number three. Like, whoa, okay, that's pretty depressing. Number three. 
hopefully this is encouraging. Jesus prays for you. Right, Jesus prays for you. And how, what, what, think about Peter. Like put yourself in Peter's, Peter's mind here. What, what, would it, what would it feel like for, for Jesus to say your name? I've prayed for you. I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. You're like, well, I see Jesus praying for Peter here. That's good hope for Peter, but what, do we, what hope do we have? Well, we have Romans 8, 34. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died. Even more has been raised. He's at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Jesus prays for you. He intercedes for you. He's infinite, right? God is infinite. He, is, he, he can pray for you individually. Pray for each of us individually. He loves us like that. And this is our hope. Yes, we will suffer. But Jesus is with us. He prays for us. He will strengthen us. Peter is, is overconfident in himself. He's self-reliant. But Jesus prays for him. Right? They are weak. But he is strong. Look at verse 35. He also said to them, when I sent you out without money bag, traveling bag or sandals, did you lack anything? Not a thing, they said. Then he said to them, but now whoever has a money bag should take it and also a traveling bag. And whoever doesn't have a sword should sell his robe and buy one. For I tell you, what is written about, what is written must be fulfilled in me. And he was counted among the lawless. Yes, what is written about me is coming to its fulfillment. Lord, they said, look, here are two swords. That is enough, he told them. Now Jesus tells his disciples here, man, trouble's coming. Trouble's coming, right? And, and they, they, they misunderstand him, right? Uh, and then, you know, those, those of you who would like this to be a Second Amendment verse, like, see, we can buy weapons. Uh, <laughs> it's not about that, right? It's really not about that. The, the way I know uh, is that Peter is, is, is in, in just a moment, you know, as we get into the, the uh, uh, arrest, when, when Jesus is Arrested, he's gonna pull out his sword and he's gonna slice off the high priest servant's ear, right? And Jesus is gonna heal it and put the sword away, right? I shouldn't have even mentioned swords. Like, this is not what I'm talking about. Uh, that was, uh, I did, that's not actually in the text. I just added in there. Um, but so we, we, we know from that, Jesus is not saying, get your swords ready, sharpen them up. Uh, Right, and then also this has happened before, hasn't it? Jesus often speaks in images, and, and the disciples he, they're in the boat. Uh, he says, "Beware of the leaven of the scribes and Pharisees," and they're like, "We don't have any bread. Like, who brought the lunch? Like, where's the bread?" And Jesus is like, That's, "I'm not talking about bread. I'm talking about their teaching. Like, beware of the teaching." So uh, this this has happened before. It's not uh, <laughs> not unique. And then of course Jesus responds here, "That is enough." Right? He told them, "It's like stop." We're not talking about this anymore. <laughs> Again, this is the last thing he's saying to them. And they're just totally missing. They're totally missing. And they're totally missing the point. And they miss, uh, you know, he, he's saying that, that hey, the, the, you, we used to, be, used to be able to go out and be, count on God's provision, count on people accepting you, people providing for you even, uh, as you went out and spread the gospel. But he says, hey, listen, things are changing. 
things are changing. Now you need to be ready for a lot of opposition. It's coming your way. And, and then he says the most important thing, which the disciples seem to totally goes right over their heads. For I tell you, what is written must be fulfilled in me. And he was counted among the lawless. Now, this is a quote from Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, verse 12. And if you know Isaiah 53, you know it's one of the most beautiful uh, prophecies of uh, this, suffer, this suffering servant who would come and die in the place of sinners. The Jews would never, had never connected this suffering servant in Isaiah 53 with the Davidic king, with the one who would, who would come and reign and rule forever. They thought that's the Messiah. He's gonna come in power. But this suffering servant, we don't know what, where he fits in. But Jesus says, no, that, that's me. Isaiah 53, starting in one verse earlier in 11. After his anguish, he will see light and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will carry their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him the, as, I will give him the many as a portion and he will receive the mighty as spoil because he willingly submitted to death and he was counted among the rebels. There it is, he was counted among the lawless. Yet he bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebels. Right, Jesus says, this is me. This is what I came to do. I'm going to willingly submit to death. I'm gonna willingly bear the sin of the world. I'm gonna be counted. I'm gonna be treated like a criminal. I'm gonna be treated like a lawbreaker. And in that, I'm gonna bear the sins of many. The disciples, they totally misunderstand the point. They miss the point. They miss what Jesus is saying here. But Jesus continually gives his life away for them. He he takes the place of rebels, right? They are weak, but he is strong. Now, as much as we would like to be great and wonderful and, and powerful and loving and wise and steady, faithful people all the time, we are not. We are not. Can you admit that? We, we are proud and immature like the disciples. We are overconfident we, we, are, we misunderstand. We miss the point. Is God ever trying to tell you something and you totally miss the point? We are weak. And, and this doesn't disprove the message. Right? This doesn't disprove the gospel. If you've written off Christianity because of Christians, right, then, then I, man, I, I understand that, first of all. Uh, but, I, and I also, but I also wonder if you, you've kind of misunderstood what, what even the message of Christianity really is. Right? Of course, Christians, we're not who we should be. Right? We're not who we should be. If you're like, Christians are this. I'm like, oh, you have no idea. We're even worse than that. You should think of this here, not the stuff we say with our mouth, the stuff that goes on in our minds, right? It's way worse which is why we need grace, right? We're so bad, the son of God had to come and die for us. That's how bad we are. Our message is not come to Jesus and your life will be perfect. Our message is not look, look at us and how great we are. Our message is not, and, and you may have felt this from Christians and to our shame and forgive us, but we are better than you 
That's not the message. When the message is we are weak, but he is strong. Right? We have a strong savior. The message is he's the perfect one who came for our imperfection. He's the glorious one who laid aside his glory to come and, and live in the mud with us and give his life as a ransom for our sin to buy us back. We were enslaved. We were dead. We, have nothing, we had nothing and he came and did it all for us. It's about his worth, his beauty, his perfect love. It's all about him. We don't even, Christians are nothing. He's everything. We are weak. But he is strong. And it turns out that this, this fundamental reality is also the key to Christian living. It just unlocks Christian living. And I remember seeing this. I like to read Christian biographies and, and reading mature Christians, especially from other, other uh, eras and generations, I think is really helpful for us. But I remember reading this uh, about George Mueller and some of his writing. George Mueller was a missionary to Britain in the 18th century. Um, and he, he's, famous. He, he's famous for starting orphanages. He started uh, five different orphan houses in, in, at the height of his ministry. He cared for over 10,000 orphans over his lifetime. Um, and and, uh, and this was a time when, when orphans were really not being cared for. He, he really, uh, from when he started, I think the numbers were when he started caring for, there was like, uh, there was less than 5,000 orphans being cared for in all of Great Britain. But by the, time, by the time his ministry was over, there were over 100,000 orphans being cared for in Great Britain. So he really started kind of this orphan care movement. Um, and, and he did it all. And this is the most amazing thing. He did it all uh, in, in order to help people's faith by never asking for money. He didn't fundraise. He didn't take a salary. He never... He never he never made known their need. Uh, he would only pray. So whenever they needed money, whenever it was like all the orphan houses, you know, caring for thousands of people and there's no food, he would just go pray. Uh, and he would, his staff would pray and then the food would be delivered, right? The money would come in. And God always provided for, for over six decades in this way. And so you might think, man, the guy like this, wow, what faith, so strong, uh, what, what, what a believer he is. And he, but here's what he says. I act in the way I do for the benefit of the church at large, cheerfully bearing the trials and sometimes the deep trials connected with this life of faith, which however brings along with it also its precious joys. If by any means a part at least of my fellow believers might be led to see the reality of dealing with God only, that there is such a thing as, as the child of God having power with God by prayer and faith. Again, this is why he does what he does. And listen to this. That the Lord should use for so glorious a service, one so vile, so unfaithful, so altogether unworthy of the least notice as I am, I can only ascribe to the riches of his condescending grace in which he takes up the most unlikely instruments that the honor may be manifestly his. Right, we read that with our modern ears. We're like, man, this guy's got a self-image problem. He needs some self-esteem, right? It's weird, so vile, so unfaithful, so altogether unworthy. Well, listen, right? We, 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 we like self-esteem. And how's that, by the way, how's that going in our culture? Like our mental health, is it doing well? No, I, I don't think George Mueller had those mental health problems that we do, but the, because this is actually how he saw himself. 
This great Christian, this one who did so much for the Lord, such a, even, even today, he's just a beacon, a story, such a beacon of, of faith. And, and this is, but this is how he, he saw himself increasingly as he got more and more mature. I'm so vile. I'm so unfair. I have, I have nothing to offer. It's all God. They are weak, but he is strong. And, and he's only following Paul, isn't he? You can go to a lot of places. You can, go to, you can go to Paul saying, I'm the chief of sinners. Wow. But Paul's another one. Uh, you know, Paul, you think, man, of, of the strong Christians, right? Oh, Paul's up there. Suffering, being beaten to death, being shipwrecked, being lashed, being imprisoned over and over and over and over. He, he, he's suffering for the Lord and doing it well, doing it joyfully. Wow, he, he must be strong. And even in, in this, even in 2 Corinthians 12, he starts talking about uh, the visions that he's had. And he, like, won't, he won't even talk about himself. He's like, I, I, not me, but I know a man who had visions and they was caught up into the third heaven and he saw things that no, he can't, he's not even allowed to talk about, uh, but I'm not gonna talk about him. He's talking about these visions. And then he says this, therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me so that I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. Again, praying for the thing, this thing to go. Concerning, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, he says, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Christian, are you stuck? Are you stuck in, in sin? Or have you stopped growing? Is, is your heart just hard you're not sure why maybe maybe it's because you've been trying to do it on your own strength maybe you've forgotten how weak you are maybe you've forgotten your need maybe you thought well I should be stronger than I am I should be able to handle this right and I'm going to handle it. I'm going to do it I'm going to do it and how's that going are, are you like a, a tightly wound spring just about to explode listen there's freedom from that because we are weak <laughs> and he's strong Maybe you need to go back to the beginning. Christian, are, are, you, are you putting up a front? Do you, do you just show everyone strength? I don't struggle. I don't need help. I've got it. It's fine. Everything's gonna be good. Why? Who are you fooling? We all struggle. We all have failures and weaknesses. And the only way forward is just to be honest about that, to admit that, 
to the Lord? Are you here today? Maybe you don't know the Lord, but you're like, I am weak. I feel it. My, my life's not going well. Everything I've tried just doesn't work. It seems like I'm at the end of my rope. That's perfect. You understand it. Right? And all you have to do is turn to God. All you have to do is give, your, give that sin away. Just say, God, I've, I've been a rebel. But thank you for dying in my place. Oh, you would accept me. Yeah, Jesus can accept, will accept you today. <laughs> this grace is wonderful. It's matchless. There's no, there's no one like Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we are weak. We are weak, but we have a strong savior. And he gave his life in the place of sinners. <laughs> and he's our hope. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Let's pray. Father, we thank you as always for your word. Your word that, that cuts through uh, uh, bone and marrow that's sharp as a two-edged sword, reveals the thoughts and intentions of our heart. Thank you for telling us the truth about who we are and about who you are. And, and Holy Spirit, we, we just ask that, that you would come now and would minister to each of our hearts. Lord, I, I, we, we pray that you would break through where, where we are, are putting up a, a front, where we're putting on a mask, would you tear it down? Where we are, have hard hearts toward you, where we are holding back from you, where we won't admit our need and our weakness, would you break through those things? Where we are weak and we're suffering and we, we're hurting, would you comfort? Please come now and speak to us. Take a moment in your seat just to be with the Lord. Ask the Spirit what He, what he is telling you, what he's, what he's asking of you, what he's uh, leading you to through his word. Father, 
uh, where we are proud, where we are arrogant, where we project strength, would you forgive us? (laughs) Would you break our pride? Lord, we want to see you move in, in our generation. We want revival. We want the lost to come home. We want uh, those lost sheep that you love. We want to see them return to you. So start it here in our hearts. Remind us of our need. Remind us of your grace and your love. <laughs>